Hello, Restored Family. Uh, Tom here. Um, if we haven't met yet, uh, I have the privilege of providing leadership um, to Restored Temecula on eldership there with, uh, with Herrick Berga. And um, I am, man, I'm hating this right now. I have, a, I have this super slick production, uh, my iPhone on a Amazon tripod with uh, my notes kind of here. And I just, man, I was setting this up right now and I just want to be with you. I don't want to be looking into a camera. Um, in all honesty, this is hard. But uh, I am grateful that we get to do this. I'm grateful that um, technology, it really is a benefit to us in this season, especially with what we're facing. But I miss you. I wish we could be together. Um, Regardless of where you're watching this, um, I really do. I wish that we could be together. So I'm going to, as much as I possibly can, um, imagine myself being in your presence and the presence of God together. Um, and kind of the, the vision behind what I'm going to share today falls in line with the series that we're doing as a family of churches called Seek First. Um, and, and, and the premise with this series is how do we as followers of Jesus, how do we actually follow him through uncertainty and crisis? Through kind of the things that we're facing now, it's not just a country, but really it's like the whole world. This, this COVID-19, this, this coronavirus um, pandemic, it it, it's, it's affecting the entire world. And, and along with it comes uncertainty. And along with it comes, honestly, some crisis. How do we follow Jesus in this? And I think you'd agree with me that, that the coronavirus really has kind of flipped all of our lives upside down, seemingly overnight. Uh, I don't know about you, but it feels like um, we've been really dealing with this new normal now for about, I don't know, maybe a little over two weeks. And it has it's felt like a long time, but it happened so quickly. Um, and that being said, what I'm going to do is I want to work through a story found in Matthew chapter 14. Um, and it's a story that I believe it really parallels the current season that we're in. Um, not just as a church, not just as a family of churches, not just as a country, but really as the world. And this is a passage I feel like God's been bringing me back to um, the last couple weeks that has been challenging for me, um, but it's also been really comforting to me. So my prayer and my hope is that it does the same for you as well. That it challenges you a little bit, but, all, but more than that, that it comforts you. Um, many of you guys that are parents, you are dealing with the new normal of kids being home all day from school. Uh, which is, I love my children, they're amazing. Um, but them being home in the house, quarantined with us all day, it, it definitely can be challenging, okay? And one of the things that you parents know this, and, and everybody should know this because you were once a child, children have a way of asking questions, um, a, a lot of questions, um, sometimes at, at the right time, sometimes not at the right time, but children have a way of asking sometimes really, really good questions. And one of the questions that comes up so often is the question of why. Why? Why is the sky blue? Why do I have to eat my green beans for dinner? Why? Why do I need to go to sleep? Why? Like kids ask this question why all the time. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been asking this question why as well. Why all of this? Everything that we're facing right now all this uncertainty. Why? 
I've been asking myself a lot. Why? God, why? What's going on? In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. This is remarkable because Jesus, he calls his disciples friends. So if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, that includes you as well. A friend of Jesus. He says that he reveals what God's up to, to his friends. So my goal today is hopefully, um, hopefully I'll be able to bring a little bit of clarity, not complete clarity, but some clarity to this question of why. Why all of this? Everything that we're facing with this COVID-19 pandemic, why all of this? So if you have a Bible nearby, go ahead and pause the video and grab it really quick. Um, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Um, I'm going to pray really quickly. I know that this isn't happening in real time for you, but this is happening in real time for me, and I really want to honor you and serve you well, and I cannot do anything apart from the Spirit of God, at least anything of value. So let me pray for us quickly. Hopefully you can grab a Bible. Um, Spirit, despite the complexities um, of this kind of new normal we're facing, uh, with technology having to be the the main way that we're delivering um, teaching of the Bible and interacting with each other and and all this, um, God, you know I don't like this. Um, You know this makes me really uncomfortable because the church is not an event The church is not teaching. The church is not a building. The church is your family being together. So Holy Spirit, will you help me right now to serve my brothers and my sisters, my family, to honor you. I don't want to get in the way of anything that you want to accomplish. So please help me and bless us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to kind of work through this story Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to interrupt and kind of talk a little bit and read a little bit. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Okay. Immediately, he, the he there is Jesus. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Really quickly, um, you have to understand what just took place. Jesus just got done feeding the multitude, the 5,000 people. You know, you've heard that the miraculous story of Jesus with the fish and the loaves feeding 5,000 men, probably more people because they didn't count women and children, but that's what just happened. Okay, so after that, immediately after that, Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the sea, okay? Now, while he dismissed the crowds, let's keep reading verse 23. After Jesus dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, filled with his disciples, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Okay, um, pause for a second. The first thing I want you to see in this story is that Jesus sends the disciples into the storm. He sends them. Okay, now you've got to understand too that some of these guys that are on this boat, they're, they're professional fishermen. They're, they're, they're experienced on the water. 
Okay, so I want you to get the, the picture of what's happening here, okay? You have Jesus sending his disciples ahead of him. He's going to meet up with them later. He, sending his disciples ahead of him in the boat. And they're going to the other side of the sea. And in the middle of the sea, the storm starts raging. You have the, It says that the waves battered them. Okay, so you have... They're in this boat. They're getting bashed by the waves. The wind is against them, it says. Keep in mind, it's night. So it's dark. So you have, you have darkness. You have wind. You have waves. You have the storm. No doubt these guys would have been disoriented. Okay? The waves hitting them. The wind. The darkness. Like, which way is north? Where are we going? Like, they're in the middle of this storm. We. The whole world right now, the entire globe, we're in the middle of this global pandemic, a worldwide storm that certainly for most of us, if not every single one of us, it's very disorienting. It's disorienting because our normal ways of living, I mean, they've completely changed. I don't know about you, but like, I'm an introvert, and this, has been, this whole social distancing thing has been really hard on me. So I can't imagine what you extroverts are going through. Social distancing, a totally new way of living. Like I mentioned before, kids are home from school. They're home all day. Some of you parents are adjusting. This is a new thing. Dude, it's, it's trying to find the things that you need at the store. Incredibly difficult. And it seems like with each passing day, the economy seems to be declining almost like quicker and quicker each day. Financial realities massively impacted. I have several people I love and care about already experiencing layoffs. The storms of what we're facing as a society right now, the storms of of this coronavirus, very disorienting. And I would say, even at times scary, let's be honest. These disciples in this story, they're in the middle of this storm. It's dark the wind, the waves, it's disorienting. And Jesus sent them into it. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. Jesus, I love this, came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Okay, pause again. So you have Jesus sending them into the storm. And then the second thing I want you to see here is that Jesus comes to them in the midst of the storm. Like, he comes to them in their time of distress. So, so is it just, I know you are following, hopefully recap really quick. Jesus sends his disciples into the storm and then he comes to them in the middle of it. So, what I want you to see here is that there's intentionality at work. He's being intentional. There's a purpose here. And some of you might be reading this going like, that's kind of a cruel thing to do. Like, Jesus, why would you send them into the storm? Like, here's what I would say. Okay, on the surface, this might look cruel, but we know that Jesus is not being cruel here. And the reason that we know is because if he was being cruel, he would not have joined them in the middle of the storm. He would have just sent them and let it destroy them. But he comes to them in the middle of the storm. So, my friend, can I encourage you for just a moment? The storm that you're facing personally, that your household is facing, that your family is facing, that your church is facing. The storm you're facing right now, maybe it's an emotional storm. Maybe it's a practical storm, a financial storm, fear, anxiety, uncertainty. 
Can I just encourage you that in the midst of that storm, Jesus is near. Jesus is near. He comes to you in the middle of it. He doesn't leave you to face it on your own. Jesus is near. And as comforting as that is, it gets even better. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Verse 27 says this. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, um, if you're familiar with uh, Matthew's gospel account, you know that there are times that Jesus handles the storm that his disciples are facing. There's, there's times that he handles it differently than he's handling it right now. Okay? There are times, actually, when Jesus rebukes the storm. When he, like, he tells the wind and the waves to stop, and they obey him, and they listen. Okay? In fact, earlier in Matthew chapter 8, we're in Matthew chapter 14 right now. In Matthew chapter 8, these same disciples in a boat on the same body of water experience Jesus rebuke the storm and tell the wind and the waves to stop, and they do. Okay, so they've experienced this before. Sometimes Jesus rebukes the storm. This time, he does not stop the storm. This time... Jesus walks on top of the storm. This time, he shows his disciples that even while the storm is raging, he's above it. He's above it. So, get the picture of what's happening here. The storm's raging all around his disciples. He comes to them, walking on the water. The waves that were battering against them, the disciples... The waves are literally beneath him. He he walks on top of the storm. So can I just encourage you again? Jesus hasn't changed one bit. Like, there are storms that seem to drag on and on, certainly longer than we want them to. This happens all throughout life. There are storms that seem to drag on. Like Like the storm that these disciples are in. And the storm that all of us are in, that all of, the, all of us are facing right now in this season. So even the storms that drag on are beneath him. So allow me to just say it really, really plainly. The storm of the coronavirus is beneath Jesus. Okay? He walks on top of it. He's above it. And just like these disciples, they're not alone in this storm. Hear me say this, neither are you. Neither are you. Because there are other disciples in the same boat. And not only that, but God himself, he comes to meet you in the middle of the storm that you're in. Why? We're almost there. Let's keep reading. Verse 27 again. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, 
Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Pause for a sec. Some of you feel like Peter. I have the last couple weeks. Some of you feel like Peter. You feel like you're sinking. And, and, and straight up, you might be. Okay? You feel like or you might be sinking emotionally. Like, I've battled these like just down feelings the last couple weeks. Some of you, are, you feel like you're sinking emotionally when it comes to like, you're feeling depressed. Like, you're starting to come to grips with how much you actually need people. You need to be around them, engage with them, interact with them. Some of you feel like you're sinking emotionally because you're feeling anxious. Like, dude, the what ifs pile up. You're checking your, you're checking your news feed too often and it's causing your mind to go like, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And the next thing you know, the anxiety starts to rise and it feels like it's going to overtake you. For others of you, maybe you're sad. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of things have been canceled the last couple weeks. And a lot of things will be canceled moving forward. I mean, one of the things that um, my wife Ebony and I were talking about that was kind of just, we were just kind of grieving it, honestly, is like the potential of our youngest daughter not finishing kindergarten. And just like, uh, like not getting closure on that chapter of her life. And we were supposed to take the kids to the Grand Canyon for their spring break. And that trip got canceled. You know, it was much needed family time, much needed rest, much needed life-giving kind of time away to be in, 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 in God's creation with each other and creating memories as a family. <clears throat> I know many celebrations, many birthday parties have been canceled. Like, maybe some of you are feeling sad. And maybe some of you are just feeling plain afraid. Some of you feel like maybe you're... You, you're sinking emotionally. Some of you feel like you're sinking practically. Like the financial reality for you has changed and it's changed quickly. <clears throat> and, 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 and you're finding yourself like you're either in need now or you see it's on the horizon. Like there's going to be some significant need for you. You're sinking when it comes to the practical needs of your life. So listen to me. When you recognize that you're sinking or when you feel like you're sinking, cry out to God. Lord, save me. That's what Peter does here in this story. And what does it say? It says, immediately, immediately, Jesus grabbed a hold of him. So the next thing that I want you to see here in this story is that Jesus protects Peter from going under. And hear me say this, the same exact thing applies to you. Same exact thing applies to me. Jesus protects us from going under. If you've spent any time um, reading the Bible, you know that it's full of promises, man. And, and so many of these promises that we find in the, scripture, in the scriptures have to do with God's faithfulness. Like he promises to be faithful. He promises to never leave you. He promises to never forsake you. He promises to never let you go under. Um, it's funny too, because in this passage, it, it, Maybe you read it as though Jesus is rebuking Peter here. 
You know, like, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You need to understand, this is not a rebuke at all. He is not rebuking Peter here. He's teaching. And he's teaching something incredibly important. Like, it's vital. You need to know it. I need to know it. He's teaching something incredibly important. He's teaching that doubting Jesus is more dangerous to Peter than the storm is. Um, my, my, my daughters, I have two daughters, and <clears throat> some of you parents will know what I'm talking about when I say this, but when your children sleep in the same bed as you, we, we, we typically do not allow this to happen, like very, very rarely. Um, but when it's happened in our household, when our daughters are sleeping in the same bed as us, um, it, ha- it happens without fail that I will wake up at some ungodly hour in the morning and it will still be dark outside and I will be very, very tired and I'll wake up to like an elbow or I'll wake up to, you know, like a, a, a foot in the back or like, a, or like a razor blade, you know, like toenail slices across my thigh. Like I'll wake up in some of these like painful kind of dramatic ways and what usually happens is that my one of my daughters has desi- has decided they don't want to lay the proper way on the bed, you know? They actually decide, like, they want to sprawl out as much as they possibly can. And they actually kind of want to go sideways. Like, like they're in the middle of the, of, the, of the letter H, you know, the capital letter H. They want to, like, they want to go sideways. They want to take up as much space on that bed as they possibly can. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night, most of the time in pain because they've hurt me, and I have, like... I don't know, eight inches on the side of this king-size bed. I only have about eight inches on the side. There's no room for me on the bed. Listen, the reason why Jesus is is teaching that doubting him is more dangerous than the storm is because doubt has a way of occupying space. It occupies space. And when doubt occupies space, it means there's not as much room for truth. Now, I'm not saying that doubt is evil. Sometimes doubt can actually be really good for us. It can help us to to ask really meaningful questions and investigate the answer to those questions, which ultimately will lead us to truth if we're honest and we have integrity. But doubt occupies space. And when it occupies space, there's not as much room for truth. Jesus is teaching us here in this passage that doubting him is actually more dangerous to us than the storm because it crowds out truth. And guys, the truth about Jesus is what unites us. The truth about Jesus is why I have my iPhone in front of me and I can't be with you, but I'm still committed to like to, to, to engaging with you in the truth of who God is and what he's done. The truth about Jesus is what unites the church, regardless of what separates us, whether it be a disease or whatever. The truth about Jesus is what unites us. And the truth about Jesus is that he's powerful, He's powerful. He's unmatched in power. He's he's the king of the entire universe. And he's so powerful that he conquered even death. The truth about Jesus is that he's loving. Like, that in all of his ways, he's selfless. Not selfish, he's selfless. That means he lives for the benefit of others. That's what love is. Did you know, like, Jesus, he lives for your benefit. At great cost to himself, He's sacrificial in his love. That's the truth about him. He's loving. The truth about Jesus is that he's gracious. Like he's he's faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. He, He embraces us 
even when we don't embrace him. He, he cares for us, even when we, when we disregard him. Despite Peter's doubt in this story, despite him, despite him having more reverence for the storm than he does for the God of the universe, despite Peter's doubt, Jesus doesn't let him go under. That's, that's grace. That's grace. And listen to me, the same is true for every disciple. The same is true for you. Despite even your doubts, God is gracious and he will not let you go under. Um, it says that when he was beginning to sink, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that he whispered. It says that he cried out. So, do you know there's implications here? Do you know what that means? That means, guess who else heard Peter crying out? The other disciples on the boat. So let me, let me just, as in love, as a brother and as a pastor, can I challenge you? If you're in need, emotionally, spiritually, practically, if you're in need, if you're in trouble, if you're sinking, or you feel like you're sinking, do not whisper for help. Please do not whisper for help. There is no anonymity in Christianity. I don't know who said that, but it's true. There's no anonymity in Christianity. Cry out so that those nearby can hear you as well. Like, like let your church family hear your cries for help. And, and, and if, if you're watching this silly video of me, like if you're watching this thing and you don't have a church family, listen, we would love to help you with this. Um, wherever you're watching this video, chances are there's a link that you can click to our website or to our family of churches website or a social media account or something. Please reach out to us. We'd love to help you with that, okay? <clears throat> Cry out so that those nearby you can hear you as well. Do not whisper. Cry out for help so that people can hear you. Because here's why. Oftentimes, God uses what? He uses his hands and he uses his feet, his church. That's the metaphor for the church. His hands and his feet. Oftentimes, God uses his hand and his feet, his church, to administer his care. Um, this has been a season of, it's been difficult, right? But I've been so proud of watching the hands and feet of Jesus provide sacrificial, generous, loving care. Um, I'm hearing stories come out of not just um, Restored Temecula, but the family of churches where people are are loving each other and doing everything they possibly can, rallying together to not just identify needs, but to work together to meet them. Um, my family alone, we've been so blessed by the church in this season. Many of you guys finding out needs that we have, and the next thing I know, they're on my front porch. This is a beautiful picture of, what, of, the, of the love of Jesus manifested to the world around us, not just within our church, but outside of our church as well. I'm so, I couldn't be more proud. I couldn't be more, this is happening in our, in our churches, and it's beautiful. So, just to, just to encourage you and exhort you, let's continue this. Let's continue to pursue radical, sacrificial generosity and to transparently share our needs as they arise. Okay, let's, let's finish up this passage here. 
uh, verse 32. When they, that they is Jesus and Peter, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And there it is. There's the why. Did you catch it? Super simple, but beautiful and profound. As a result of this experience, they trusted that Jesus was who he said he was. Truly, you are the Son of God. And it says they worshipped him. As a result of this experience, they had a greater awareness of themselves of their doubts, of their fears, of their needs, and they had a greater awareness of the God who loves them. And they worshipped Him. Friends, worshipping Jesus is salvation for your soul. And it's the answer to the question, why all of this? Why? To secure your worship. To secure your salvation. I propose to you that God is using the storm that we are facing in the very same way. Greater awareness and greater trust that leads to deeper worship and the salvation of souls. I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap up here. Um, This has been an incredibly challenging two weeks for my household, for me, for my family. Um, We are, as the the time of this recording, we are still awaiting test results for my my eldest daughter. Um, She has had COVID-19 symptoms for, it'll it'll be, it was two weeks um, yesterday. And um, so there's been a lot of challenges with that, not just practically, um, but emotionally. Being quarantined as a family in our household, um, not wanting to take any chances if we potentially have this thing um, and could spread it to somebody vulnerable in our community or in our neighborhood or in our city. It's been really hard. It's been so hard not being with the church, like physically being with the church. And so... There's been moments where I'm just, I'm, God, why? And I feel like he, I feel like he gave me a picture. Uh, I saw this picture of, of a mixing bowl. And <clears throat> as uh, there's, you know, multiple ingredients in the bowl and, and I see it being mixed up. And, and then I heard the phrase, I'm stirring things up. And then the, the, the picture, it shifted. It's like a kitchen. And it was clear that something was, like there was cooking going on. There was preparation that was taking place. And uh, one thing about cooking meals and preparing meals is the best meals take time. The best meals are not coming from the microwave. Okay, The best meals take time. And the more time that goes by, the more prep time that goes by, the more cooking time that goes by, the hungrier people get. 
You know, it's funny, in the 26th verse of the story that we just read, it says this. It says, when the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the sea, it says that they were terrified. It's interesting because the, the Greek word there for terrified, what it literally means is it literally means to stir up. What if God is stirring things up? What if he's preparing something? What if he's cooking something? And in the process, our hunger for him and his ways, our appetite for God and his kingdom is increasing. I mean, many of you are experiencing this already. I know I am. Like, many of you, you, you miss the church. You, you, you miss being together in God's presence. You miss praying together and worshiping together. And as a result of this storm that all of us are in, you are hungrier for God and His ways than you were a couple weeks ago. What if God is stirring things up? What if He's cooking something? And in the process, hunger is rising. Jesus said in the greatest sermon ever preached, He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. They will be filled. I believe that God is stirring things up. I believe that he's preparing something amazing. And in the process, he's cultivating a deep hunger in people. In a hunger that he will satisfy by providing himself. Friends, that's the gospel. That's, that's the good news, that God provides what we cannot provide for ourselves. The good news of the, of the grace of God. And I believe that God is preparing hearts. I believe that hunger in hearts is rising. I believe he's preparing hearts inside the church and outside the church to be filled with a greater portion of himself. So, Here's what I want to do. As an act of worship, as an act of of trust, I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, to join me in communion. Um, This might be kind of weird because I'm looking at a camera, I'm not looking at you, but just because we cannot be together physically, it's not going to stop us. Okay, so if you need to go pause the video right now, find... um, Find something to eat and something to drink. And, uh, and then I'd love to take communion with you and celebrate and remember the sacrificial love of Jesus together. Okay, hopefully you have your, your elements with you. I just want to invite you to join me. This is something that the church has been doing for thousands of years, remembering and celebrating Jesus, remembering the lengths that God went to to secure our salvation doesn't always look pretty, doesn't always look the way we think it should, but it's his love on display, him doing the lengths that he's gone to to secure our salvation. That's what he did at the cross. That's what he's always doing, even now in the midst of a global pandemic. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. 
So your element that symbolizes his body, I want to invite you to eat with me now. And your element that symbolizes his blood, I invite you to drink with me now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, and for your wisdom. God, thank you for your power, so clearly on display in this story, and frankly, so clearly on display in the world around us. I thank you, God, that you're so committed to our salvation, that you'll go to great lengths. You'll even stir things up. You'll even use ingredients that don't make sense to us to secure our salvation, to secure our worship. Not idols, not false gods, not things not worth worshiping, but you. Worshiping you, and that is salvation for our souls. Here in the midst of a world the way that things are not supposed to be, and for the future, when you will make all things new and will be in your presence, worshiping you forever. That's the point. So thank you that you care enough about our well-being, enough about our joy, enough about what we desperately, truly need on the deepest levels to go to great lengths, to communicate your love, to show us your power, and to secure our worship for you and you alone. We remember your body, we remember your blood, and we celebrate you, Jesus, even from afar. We love you. Amen. God bless you. Can't wait to be with you. Take care.